Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, Matt joined me on the show from Collier's and we talked about how important it is to really understand supply chain when you are working with customers on the commercial real estate side, looking at warehousing, micro warehousing, all sorts of different opportunities that are coming up in the last mile space. We also talked about some of the upcoming trends that you need to look out for, not only in your business, but also in your supply chain and what the uptick in e-commerce really means for your business and for your warehouse and distribution space. It was such an amazing episode. I really enjoyed it. If you missed it, though, don't worry. You can catch up on all of our episodes over at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast. And we also have a category filter for you over on the podcast page if you are looking for a specific episode on a specific topic. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community. New innovations and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. E2Open is an end-to-end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end-to-end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We are working on so many new and exciting things. I cannot wait to share them with you. And today I'm excited to welcome the premier provider of next generation materials, inventory and production control planning and execution applications for the new demand driven world. There's a clue in there, so have you guessed who it is? I'll let you know if you were right after our question of the week. So the question of the week, what have you learned about yourself through working in supply chain? Crystal answered, I've learned that I am really good at collaborating across departments and teams for internal and customer-facing solutions. I've also learned that I can think high level as well as be very detail oriented. This is not to boast, but perspective does impact how I see my role. My title does not define me for me. The impact I am making in supply chain in general, safety of humanity and efficiency in North America is what keeps me going and wanting to keep perfecting my craft. I love it. I actually said that I learned that I am very resilient and I continue to grow my passion for the industry. Jocelyna, and she says, reflecting here are my thoughts about my journey so far. Learned the true meaning of empathy, walking a mile in my team's shoes, our stakeholders, business partners, and shareholders. It's a key ingredient for effective collaboration and co-creation. The importance of always broadening our views by being aware of biases and blind spots, whether they're conscious or unconscious, how imperative is taking time to recharge and self-care, extending the same care and providing an environment for teams so that they can recharge and have balance. 
Peter says love. I love all of these answers. Thank you so much to everyone who weighed in on the question of the week. We ask that question every single Wednesday morning on our LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages. So now back to today's podcast. And which leading software solutions company is joining me today? Well, it's Demand Driven Technologies. Demand-Driven Technologies is the first and most widely used enterprise-class demand-driven MRP supply chain planning software that provides superior materials, inventory, production scheduling, and execution technology. Working across the automotive, healthcare, and food and beverage industries, they're growing quickly and even expanded into Europe last year despite the huge challenges of the global pandemic. Today, Brad, VP of Partners and Products at Demand Driven Technology, joins me to chat all about what Demand Driven does, visibility and consumer demand in supply chain, the impact of e-commerce, and what the future is going to bring for demand driven supply chains. Here's a little bit about Brad. Brad directs the Demand Driven Technologies Channel Partner Network and is responsible for product management. Bradley brings a wealth of supply chain industry expertise to his roles at Demand Driven Technology. And most recently, Brad was operations manager at Carter's Oshkosh Bagosh, where he led a team responsible for planning supply for the Oshkosh business unit. While at Oshkosh, he had multiple escalating roles of responsibility within the company. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration and Marketing from Auburn University and a Master's of Business Administration from the Guizeta Business School at Emory University. So welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Thanks for having me on the podcast. This is awesome. I am doing great, and I am super excited to have you joining me today because I love to talk about how supply chain is changing and where the industry is going. And I think, you know, it's clear that demand-driven models are certainly part of that future. So I'm excited and looking forward to exploring more of that with you. So why don't we start by kicking, kicking us off with, you know, giving us a broad overview of demand-driven technologies. What does yeah. it do? How do, how do you help its customers? How do you help your customers? Yeah, sure. No, I'm super excited about it too. You know, we talk about this stuff all day, every day as a business. And so certainly it'll be fun to kind of get on here and talk about it with you and get some different perspectives from hopefully a, a large audience. Um, so demand-driven, our company, demand-driven technologies, uh, we're a company that has software solutions that we market, sell, and implement to uh, manufacturers and distributors all around the world. Um, you know, really our main focus is codifying this demand-driven methodology. You know, you hear about DDMRP, hopefully you've heard about the demand-driven operating model. We take these two things, we put them in software in a really beautiful way, and then we allow customers to take advantage of those of that thoughtware that they learn about and really apply the methodology to their businesses. Um, as a company, we've been around for some 10 years now. So we were kind of the first player in the demand driven game, so to speak. And I think, you know, we sort of um, have a very, very large client base relative to the niche market we're in. Some 130 companies around the world are using our software to, to various extents. And um, in terms of what we're trying to do with uh, clients and customers, it's really all about creating flow in their supply chain, right? And flow is kind of a, a buzzy word that you hear a lot about when you read supply chain or, um, you know, 
take in some of these podcasts and other you know conferences, things like that. But really, it's all about velocity, um, material availability, uh, speed, having the right amount of inventory. All that stuff is just really kind of what we're trying to do. We're trying to align inventory for our customers to their actual market demand such that they have great service levels and, and the right amount of inventory. Well, and it's definitely something that has proven to be that much more important, especially over this last year. Um, and I think, you know, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on in the interview, because I, I don't think mm -hmm. we could get through this conversation without talking about it. But before, right. you know, before we dive any deeper, um, let's just get an, a brief explanation from you of the difference between demand-driven supply chain and traditional supply chain. Yeah, well, when we think about materials planning, right, um, you know, hopefully you're familiar with MRP. And MRP is a concept that's been around for much longer than you and I have been in the supply chain space, I'm sure, but, you know, 50, 60 years, right? And um, MRP really dictates that you have a forecast, a demand plan that you create. So you kind of break out the crystal ball, you predict the future related to demand, and then you roll that back and say, okay, what do I need to purchase, plan, make, distribute in order to satisfy that demand plan that I'm predicting? And I think this has worked fairly well over the decades, right? Um, but really, we're in a different place today as a world, as consumers in the world, where we demand a lot more product variety, right? Speed to market, uh, you know, short customer tolerance times, right? You and I, we both go on Amazon, I'm sure, especially during COVID, all the time. We click on something, we want it immediately. And that creates a lot more um, problems for the, the vertical supply chains that are supporting those consumer products. And then, you know, products in industrial healthcare, obviously, right now in general. And yeah. so what demand-driven does a bit differently is instead of using a forecast to predict the future and then purchase that future, we actually use um, consumption driven by sales orders, uh, consumption at the work order level, consumption at transportation for distribution. And we build a dynamic buffer, uh, which is a, you can think about it as a reorder point, and we reorder based on that dynamic buffer. So um, this allows us to be much more agile, right? and really use a more accurate signal of true customer demand via mm -hmm. consumption than forecast. I think everybody, hopefully you'll agree with me that true consumption in the market is a much better signal to plan material for than a forecast. But I think people struggle with, yeah, I get that, but how do I move from using a forecast into using consumption? And that's really what this DDMRP demand-driven um, MRP provides to people is a way to move from one way to the other way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about that. How how are they going to move from yeah. forecasting into um, you know the demand driven approach, and yeah. how do your solutions facilitate that? Yeah, great. Well, I think a lot of like um, forecasting solutions and traditional MRP solutions are what I would consider black box tools. Right, you put a lot of data in and it spits out some mechanism or reorder quantity, and we, we have to trust that, we accept that. And in many cases, that's fine. DDMRP is not that at all, right? This is an open source movement. Um, I always say it's third grade math for like a really smart third grader. Um, but basically, we're building a buffer with three zones, and that's our reorder point. We've got our red zone, 
which is you can kind of think about it like our safety zone. It's dynamic in nature, and it takes into account supplier and demand variability in order to make sure that we have a good chunk of safety at an inventory position. We have a yellow zone, which sits on top of that, and it's our usage over one lead time for any item we're planning for. Okay. And then finally, we have a green zone, which dictates generally the order cadence or average order size of a replenishment that we have on an item. Um, so in our application, Replenishment Plus, each item at each location has one of these, or where we're stocking, of course, has one of these buffers. The buffers flex up and down fluidly and dynamically based on changes to what we call average daily usage. Very, very simple calculation. It's our day, average daily demand over a relevant range in the past, usually between 90 and 180 days. So over time, we have big orders that come in. Our buffer starts slowly flexing up. It's not going to bull whip you around, right? It's not going to jump up one day because of the denominator is quite large. But over time, those buffers are going to automatically adjust to what we're seeing in the market. Then we have what's called the net flow equation. And that's simply our on-hand inventory plus any open supply we have coming to us. And then it's relevant demand. What demand do I need to service today or is past due? I total those things up. I slap that number against my buffer. And if my if I net flow falls in the yellow or red zone of my buffer, I just go ahead and reorder back up to the top of green. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's a little bit maybe um, complex and technical, but really with a, a couple days of training, and there's a lot of great training programs out there on this, people can kind of get this concept. It clicks for them, and they say, man, it can really be this simple to replenish my stocked items rather than going down the path of you know, black maybe. box forecasting and maybes and crystal balls and things like yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah, and I like how you um, how your explanation was extremely simple um, and e really easy to understand. And there was a couple of things that you mentioned there, right? Sure. And I know we were going to talk about COVID later on, but we're going to talk about it right now um, because a lot of times in COVID, we heard about that bullwhip effect. And yeah. so maybe you can talk a little bit about um, what happened last year in regards to that bullwhip and how demand-driven helped with that. But then what mm -hmm. we're also hearing or what I'm also hearing a lot about is uh, going from just in time to just in case and mm -hmm. what your thoughts are around that. So two-part question, you know, throwing mm -hmm. that out at you. Well, I like that a lot. Just in time to just in case. That's that's a great. Um, well, I think one thing is perfectly clear, right? Everybody at the beginning of 2020, you know, created a forecast for their business. They said, let's do this. We're going to have a great year in 2020. And yeah. then March 15th, I think we're, you know, about a year yes. ago, everybody just took that thing and ripped it right up, right? And that goes for services businesses, software businesses like ours, obviously. And then clearly supply chain businesses around the world, they just ripped it right up. So now is a more important time than ever to have an approach to planning material and planning your supply chain that is fluid, dynamic, resilient. And that's really what this whole demand-driven um, approach is about. Our clients, you know, this is one of the most interesting questions right now. Every time you talk to a client, we say, hey, you know, how, first of all, how's it going, right? Some clients, as you know, some businesses are just booming, taking off. Some had major slumps, and now they're, you know, they're ramping right back up. It's the perfect time to have this sort of dynamic reorder point mechanism in your business because the buffers, um, over a short period of time, they're quite resilient. They're flexing up and down without a lot of manual user intervention, right? Um, I think in businesses, more traditional businesses, where you have planners that are kind of 
taking supply and demand and matching them together, they're sort of lost, right? This is, it's changing at such a fast pace with such yeah. velocity. It's really, really tough to keep up with. And so I've heard from our customers is like, okay, we've made some adjustments, right? We have all these advanced features and technology in Replenishment Plus that allows you to apply adjustment factors or um, seasonal adjustments, things like this to the buffers to help them stay healthy. But in general, I think, you know, uh, kind of the old 80-20 rule, 80% of our parts, hopefully, um, were resilient enough throughout the whole pandemic where DDMRP kind of took care of the hard work for us. Right. Um, you know, we're having a, a user conference um, this month, and so I've been talking with a few of our customers about their stories over the last year. And one of my clients, uh, thinking about this, and I'm really proud of this, right? They were able to get through COVID, maintain a 96% service level throughout the whole thing, which is their goal by leveraging DDMRP, by using the um, the buffers and some of the advanced features to adjust the buffers over that time period. And, you know, they just told me we, we couldn't have done it without, with a different system. We couldn't have done it otherwise. Right. And so these people are going to be speaking for us. It's called Eminence Technologies out in uh, Charlotte here in the U.S. But um, just a really cool story. Uh, and we've heard of this a lot where our customers come back and say, gosh, we were much more resilient agile and flexible using TDMRP over the last year. Hmm. Amazing. And I think yeah. I'm going to ask the question that everybody in the audience is wondering. Sure. So if the toilet paper manufacturers mm -hmm. were using demand-driven technologies, yeah. we wouldn't have had empty shelves. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a really great question. Um, <laughs> I think we still would have had empty shelves. I still can't figure out the whole toilet paper thing. It'll never make sense to me. <laughs> Like, you know, if you think if, if you're a supply and demand person, you think about supply and demand, I can just think to myself, man, why would consumer demand go up for something like this? But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> listen, there's no silver bullet, right? To some extent, when you have um, super, super variable or catastrophic type events that occur and pinpoint, you know, hand sanitizers, <laughs> toilet right. paper in this case, yeah. so on and so forth nothing is going to save you from being in trouble there, right? right. I, I think where it does help, though, even in those businesses, if they're using the demand-driven approach, it allows you to, more, in a more agile way, get back to get back to level, yeah, get back faster. into a stable position. And that's because we're decoupling throughout the supply chain. There's this whole notion in demand-driven of placing these buffers at different vertical nodes in your supply chain, such that if you have a bullwhip mechanism at the top or the bottom of your value stream, it doesn't necessarily, you know, rumble you all the way through that vertical, um, that vertical uh, integrated supply chain. And so by decoupling, I think these businesses may have been a little more prepared or a little more agile to change. Yeah. But certainly, you know, Purell is going to stock out of hand sanitizer no matter what if you, <laughs> if you hop back to, you know, spring of 2020. But I also think we wouldn't have had uh, those empty shelves for as long as we did if they right. had if they had used the de the demand driven technology. From what I am hearing today, I certainly I certainly like to think so. Yeah, I, you know, it it creates just an agile sort of manner and a way to get back um, and and overcome obstacles much better than like okay, we forecasted something, it's completely wrong. It's going to be six nine months before we're back on track. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about visibility, because I've also been hearing the word visibility all over the place when we're talking about supply chain. Um, mm. And it's it's assumed that it's just about seeing the location of a shipment, about seeing that data in a system. But I had a guest on a recent episode that said visibility is actually what comes from a well-constructed supply chain architecture. 
And, mm. you know, at demand driven technologies, you say that your technologies integrate with all major ERPs. So I'm guessing that you share that view of visibility actually being about integration, collaboration and resilience, but across everything. Is that correct? Tell us a little bit about your philosophy around visibility. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, you, you hit it first and foremost. It's about seamless integration interfacing between Replenishment Plus, our solution and a client's you know, system of record, which is generally their ERP system, right? Um, so it, to the extent that we can make that integration really tight, really work together, um, well-timed, well-manicured, then it's going to create collaboration between systems. But I think when I think about visibility and demand-driven, um, you know, I, I've been to, I don't know, many, many client sites, plants over the past three or four years. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a planner in a former life, four years clean, but I'm, I was a planner in my former former life. And I just was blown away the first time I sort of saw the Replenishment Plus solution and learned about the demand-driven MRP concepts because it does provide just the next level of visibility that you're not used to seeing in enterprises around the world. Um, it's amazing, you, you know, and I'm sure you've interviewed and talked to people from very, very large, what we, what we would think of as mature supply chains. And it almost seems like the more mature the supply chain is, the less visibility they have in some cases. True. And so yeah. to be able to go and present a solution that is kind of the single source of truth for materials planning, um, inventory management, uh, SNOP in some cases, um, it's a it's a really um, unsung benefit, I think, of the demand-driven application. Uh, over time, you know, you talked about supply chain architecture. Most supply chains, I don't think, are architected with an in-state in mind, right? They're, they're architected based on problems that they have over the years, acquisitions, they have fragmented systems, fragmented people, process, et cetera. And that's what makes up your supply chain architecture. So to be able to harmonize a whole ecosystem um, of plants around the world on one system, one methodology, uh, you just can't beat that, right? Mm -hmm. We have clients right now that are rolling out, you know, replenishment plus to 110, 130 plants in one case around the world within an 18-month time frame. And they're going to go from having fragmented ERP process planning systems, mostly Excel-based, right, to having the whole company, you know, on one platform where you can see other locations, how other planners are doing things. Um, so it just increases collaboration, um, you know, exponentially. Absolutely. And I think what you did there was you brought up some really great points around visibility, right? I said that a lot of people think about visibility being around seeing where your shipment actually is. And what you've brought up there is visibility internally and everybody working towards the same goals. I mean, if you think about that, what you just said, I think it was 110 or 130 plants yep. coming together onto one system in 18 months. I mean, that's pretty incredible and also goes to show the speed of how we can make changes and the right changes with the right partners and the right technology and, and you know, the right path forward. Um, I think is is also kudos to you and your team over at Demand Driven Technologies to be able to do something like that and bring everybody together with that kind of visibility. So just wanted to mention that. So while we're talking about this, you know, you've, you've made mention of a couple of customers, but give me one real life example 
of a customer, what was the challenge that they get, they came to you with? Mm-hmm. What was the solution that you provided? And what was the benefit that they saw? So paint us a picture. So if I'm in the audience, I can get an understanding of working with demand-driven technologies, what that would mean for me and my business and my supply chain. Yeah. Um, well, typically customers have um, one of two problems, right? Uh, either they are looking for a way to increase and maintain higher service levels, right? So maybe in this case, they have very lean inventory and their inventory metrics and uh, their turns and things like that are better, but they have problems servicing their customers at the right rate. And then the other side of that coin is, you know, I've got a great service level. I am able to service my customers to a large extent, but I have much too much too, way too much inventory right and i really need to further lean out my inventory and it's the hardest balance to find in supply chain i think right service for versus investment we talk about this thing ca- called the bimodal inventory distribution uh which for our customers just means that most people we work with they have you know a lot of inventory on the stuff that's not moving so well not as much inventory on the stuff um, that's moving quite well, right? right? And therefore, they kind of have this humpy bimodal inventory distribution. And while we talk about, you know, reductions in inventory, it's not like the methodology, again, is that silver bullet that just shreds inventory, leans everything out. It's more about the alignment of inventory to actual demand. So we remove that bimodal inventory distribution. We put inventory and planning material on the right items, um, at the right locations. And as a result of that, we generally see reductions in inventory somewhere between 20 and 40% um, it, while maintaining that high service level, which is absolutely always the first and foremost priority. Right. If I think about very specific exa- examples, um, that same client that I was talking about rolling out to 110 plants, we started in 2018 with them. They were looking for a better way to manage inventory and they needed to, to lean out inventory for sure. They're a tier one automotive supplier, so they supply um, uh, wiring harnesses to the automotive industry. And we started with a pilot, small pilot. In fact, we just did 50 parts, more like a proof of concept. And we reduced inventory by 30% for those 50 parts while maintaining service levels over just an eight-week period. So it was very, very fast time to value, very rapid. They said, wow, we can, we can do this. Let's expand this. So then we did the whole plant. We had similar results in terms of inventory reduction. And that was about six months later. And now we're sort of in the thick of this, you know, epic global rollout where all the plants are going to hopefully benefit from those same types of results um, that we saw in the first plant. But the problem statement is clear, right? We need to have perfect service levels. OEMs, especially the automotive industry, they don't tolerate low service levels. Um, But we have an inventory or working capital goal or um, perceived problem that we're trying to address. Yeah, and I read in I read in an article this morning actually that they were talking about um, manufacturing and digitalizing digitalizing manufacturing, and the key to success in that area is to start small and to have small tests. And so that example that you just shared with us is a very good example of how you started in small steps. Um, by working in you know certain areas with that company, and now you're doing a global rollout, and so it just goes to show you what the keys to success are when you are in manufacturing and you're looking at digitalization, and perhaps looking at demand-driven as being part of that methodology. 
how you do need to start small and the effects that that can that can show right the benefits yeah. that, that can show for your business and your supply chain and then you can roll that out globally so i i really love that example yeah well it's not easy right i mean if we if, you know you've probably heard about this a lot or talked to a lot of people but the hardest thing when you're changing you know the the operational stuff within a company I mean, this is the heartbeat of a company yeah. right? they're very yeah. difficult change sure. management is a nightmare um, it's really hard because, you know, you may have buy-in um, from the uh, center of excellence or the leadership level, but every plant you go to, every location you implement with, you have to win the hearts and minds of people that are actually going to be using the system. Yeah. Um, there's no better way to do that than to have success. Um, so even before we get to the proof of concept phase, generally with our clients, before we implement Ever Replenishment Plus, we have we, we do simulations, right, before any of that. We say... Mr. Client, or, or um, uh, you know, can we can we see your data for the last year? We're going to simulate yeah. how would that have behaved in a DDMRP environment using Replenishment Plus. Here would have been your results. That's the first level of buying. They're like, okay, okay, let's see. Now we're going to test a few parts in a proof of concept. We're going to do a whole plant. We're going to do a pilot, and finally we get to the point where it's like everybody agrees globally. People are excited, right? Yeah. They're excited and say, we want that in our plant. Um, another really sort of major enterprise client that we're about to start a pilot with um, recently, they were, they were talking about change management. They said, you know, you really want the, the plant to be yearning for it, begging for it. Like we really need these results uh, in order to do that. You have to have a, uh, you have to have a good proof point within the company usually. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So if I'm sitting in the audience, we've talked a lot about enterprise clients, but sure. who is your ideal client? So if I'm sitting here, I love what I'm what I'm hearing. I want to reach out to you, but I'm not sure if I'm the right size of customer. Um, and maybe, you know, and, and what vertical of supply chain or what yeah. industry are you working with? Oh, well, <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, well, we've got we've got clients all over the map both in terms of size and industry. Okay. I don't think that's a testament to our software as much as it is to DDMRP in general, right? Okay. I think the methodology is a good fit for many industries, every size client around the globe, really. Um, but what we're looking for is a regular and reoccurring demand, right? Um, regular and reoccurring demand. People who make um, or buy or distribute sort of the same things over and over, use the same raw materials, longer product life cycles, um, Seasonality, uh, to some extent, is totally fine, right? People who sell ice cream cones, probably not a good fit for us. Um, but agricultural seasonality, seasonality in many ways is totally fine. Variability, bring it on, right? This is the whole purpose. We want our buffers to flex up and down, so all that's okay. Um, we've got amazing clients in automotive, like I already talked about, um, initial and active, those kind of clients. We've got great clients in food and beverage, consumer goods like uh, Coca-Cola, Bottlers, Africa, um, uh, packaging, healthcare, pharma, all, all okay. kinds of industries like that, industrial products. Um, the only real um, industries that we really try and stay away from, or maybe there's not a, such a good fit for DDMRP, are very, very high turnover, fast-moving uh, consumer um, apparel. Uh, things okay. like that, because you you have very short seasons, life cycles of products. You're on to the next thing. You may sell totally different than the stuff you right. had in the past. Yeah, the fast fashion. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, I like yep. that. Thanks so much for sharing that. So, based on you know the changes that we've talked about today um, and that we've seen in the past year, what are your predictions for the coming year 
Um, do you think the market's going to stabilize or do you think consumer demand is only going to increase? And, you know, I think there's a variety of different opinions. I don't think there's mm. any right or wrong because nobody has a crystal ball. But, you know, just from your seeing and your, your conversations with your customers. Yeah. Um, well, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic. Um, I have a, I have the unique um, position where I'm actually able to liaise with our partners around the world on a monthly basis. You know, I have calls with all of our partners around the world who implement our software. And so the first thing I ask always is like, well, how's it going, you know, in your region? How's it going to Italy? How's it going in South Africa? And not just about COVID, but in general, like, you know, how are things progressing from a, from a, from a macro standpoint? And I think that all signs point to further growth, further optimism in the market for our consumers. Um, obviously, I think here in the U.S., uh, we're seeing uh, we're kind of on a rocket ship right now in, ter in terms of com uh, consumer demand. And I expect that to continue in 2021 and 2022. Um, again, it's just a it's a good time for those companies to be <laughs> agile, right? Especially we don't know the future. We don't know what the future holds. Right. Um, so, so why try and guess? Why try and guess what the future holds? What, what are you seeing? What do you think about um, where the market's headed? Well, I, I think what they're talking about is with the vaccine rollout, um, mm. that you know, when when people get to go back to in person uh, yeah. conferences and and doing things just generally somewhat normal, like the pre-COVID normal, uh, we might see a little bit of a decrease in. Mm consumer demand when it comes to retail or consumer products. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know, and I don't think anybody really knows what that new normal is going to entail. And I yeah. think you're going to have some people that are not going to go back full bore. And I think you're going to have some people that are going to go back full bore. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be an interesting dynamic to see, but I think that this is here to stay for at least 2021 is what yeah, I think. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think we'll see some markets stabilize, right? Um, as, yeah. as things get back to normal, but I think we'll also see markets that were maybe down just absolutely take off. Um, yeah. Which I think is a which I think is a good thing. So absolutely. So finally, then, what does the future mm -hmm. hold for demand-driven technologies? That one you can tell me. You don't need a crystal ball because yeah. I know you guys are working on some amazing things over there. <laughs> yeah, much more equipped to talk about that, I'm sure. Um, well, listen, um, we've got an exciting year. You know, we've been super fortunate where we did grow quite a bit in 2021. Brought on a lot of new great clients developed a lot of good new features in our software. And I expect that to continue um, double time in 2021. Um, we've got some pilots planned with some really, really large, recognizable um, companies and brands throughout the world that I think will be exciting. And hopefully this time next year in our, in our 2022 co user conference, we're presenting some great case studies from those kind of clients. Very, very excited. I'm a product guy, you know, um, very involved with our product. And so most of all, I'm just so excited about our roadmap looking forward into this year. Um, we've just got so many features and functions that we're going to be adding to the software um, that are going to help our clients. We're bringing our scheduling tool into the cloud alongside Replenishment Plus, so we'll have materials planning and finite scheduling in the same uh, beautiful solution suite. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. And then most of all, um, we're working very hard on artificial intelligence machine learning initiatives um, to help you know the ease of use of our software onboarding and most importantly you know answer that age-old question right what's the right reorder quantity right? right we've got we've got all these clients all this data and really it's a perfect fit for AI ML to play a role 
in learning over time what really creates the best signal to send back to our clients. So we've been working on this for a little over the year. Um, we're going to be announcing much more about that in our user conference coming up this month. But um, you know, I, I completely expect that from a software standpoint, that's going to be so exciting for our clients because it's going to deliver so much value in the next couple of years from an AI ML standpoint. I love your passion and I'm already I'm excited passionate. to see yeah. what what you guys are doing. I mean, <laughs> such a fascinating discussion. And I think you've given our listeners a lot to think about here. I mean, the industry is changing, consumer behavior is changing. And if COVID has taught us anything, you know, it's the importance of being prepared. So you might have a few new business calls scheduled in after we release this episode. So a big thank you to the team over at Demand Driven Technologies for making this episode possible. And of course, a big thanks to Brad for joining us today on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a, I'm a fan and I'm going to listen to a lot of the other episodes. I've kind of been perusing it. So thanks so much for what you're doing, man. Talking about supply chain is just, you know, it's just for us people who are a bit nerdy about it. We love it. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I love it. Thank you. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest and filter by category. And remember to come back next week for this month's episode of Woman in Supply Chain. I will be speaking to the fabulous Laura Ciceri, and she'll be chatting to me about her incredible career so far, her passion for research and the future of supply chain. So remember to tune in because you don't want to miss that. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and now even Clubhouse. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com or the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube channel. Next, visit ships, that's shipz.com, and sign up because we're in full beta. And if you're a forwarder or shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide, and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show, and we will include your review on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.